morning and turn with me to the book of James, James chapter 1. While you're turning there, I'd like to read another verse in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Here, so you can go there to James chapter 1. I'll catch up with you in just a moment. But it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know, as a pastor, even when I worked with the youth, it was always a burden to see young people, adults, follow the teachings of the Word of God. And, but what I found a long time ago is that you cannot make anyone do what God's Word says. As uh, someone said, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. And so how do we get the Word of God into a person? Because honestly, that's what it's going to take. Uh, there have been people who've heard all the preaching and the teaching of the Bible for years, it's not the knowledge, the facts. It's what's in their heart. It's have they opened themselves up to receive that word, to allow it to dwell in them richly to where it affects every aspect of their life. I was asking the kids in the Sunday school class, you know, what a Christian is and um, how they behave at school, at work, or not work in their case, but at school and at home, and uh, how, how should a Christian behave in those uh, settings, and uh, who they represent. Those are good questions to ask ourselves. Who are we representing? Of course, we're representing the Lord. Now, back in James chapter 1, just a few verses here, look down with me at verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridle not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is, what's that next word? Is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows, and their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'd help all of us to be honest before you today. And uh, we, we have nothing to hide. We cannot hide anything. And that we would just come to an agreement with how you see things. And that we'd be willing to do whatever it is to allow your word to dwell in us. That we would receive your truth and apply it to our lives. So you have your way. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Facts. The Bible's full of facts. Some people love, love facts. Uh, there's the, um, uh, just, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, where just a, a, a book of facts, uh, uh, there's games played uh, where they try to figure out all these different uh, things. And they have knowledge, and some of the knowledge they have really is, doesn't even matter. 
it, it, it's not going to make any difference at all. They are impressed to how they can remember all of those things. And, um, but the Bible is full of great facts. But these facts are more than just a bunch of facts. They are truths. The truths. But these truths can do you no good unless you, in fact, even if you do know them, they can't do you any good. And, and let, if you don't receive them, if you don't allow that word to dwell in you, you, you see, we can preach the Bible, teach the Bible, but if the Bible doesn't get in you, it's not going to make any difference at all. Uh, you know, it's not going to make a difference. In the, that, that is what does make a difference in a teenager's life is when the Bible gets in them, it changes them drastically. That is what makes a difference in an adult's life is the Word of God. It has nothing to do really with religion. Religion uh, is, uh, is something that man has uh, uh, used and abused, but uh, it, it's the relationship with God. It's His Word that's going to make all the difference. So uh, to have facts is not enough. Someone says, well, wait a minute, I, I know the plan of salvation. Well, that's, that's fine and good, but listen, you can know the plan of salvation, you can believe the plan of salvation and go straight to hell. Now, that may sound uh, pretty strong, but listen, you're not saved by the plan of salvation. You're saved by the man of salvation, and that man is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's him only. It's not some magical words that man has put together. It's the truth of God's word. And there's a lot of people who know theology. Boy, they could just rattle off things, and, and, and it's very impressive. I knew a man that had mo almost all of the New Testament memorized, and man, he could rattle that off almost as fast as you, Cooper. And uh, he, was, he was quoting all the books of the Bible in Sunday school. He did a good job with that. And uh, just rattled them off. He had all these verses, all these facts. But he neglected his wife. He neglected his children. And he, he, he became a drunkard. I mean, it was, it was a shame. He had some, the knowledge. He had the facts. He could quote scripture, but it had no impact on his life. It made no real difference. And so how do we get the Bible in our hearts and our minds? Listen, again, you can have all the theology in your life. Uh, you can carry that Bible under your arm, and you know you can backslide just as quick as anyone else with that Bible under your arm, with Scripture in your mouth. Um, if the Bible is not dwelling in you, if you've not received the Word of God. You see, that's the thing. I could offer you a gift, and it wouldn't be yours until you took that gift. And that's the way it is with the Word of God. It's here for our taking. It's here for uh, us to have it in our hearts and lives, but we, need to, we have to want it. And there has to be a desire to have this truth and to receive it. So, it, it, again, it's one thing to have all these facts about Jesus. It's another thing to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil knows all the facts about Jesus, and he's not going to heaven for sure. It's one thing to hear the Word of God, but it's quite another thing, as we saw here in James, it's another thing to receive the Word of God or to allow it to dwell in us richly, as Paul stated. So notice in verse 21, James is 
talking about receiving the word there, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Now, I realized it wasn't long ago we were in these scriptures. I'm coming from a little bit of a different angle, but here's the thing. It is so vitally important that we allow God's word to get into our life. Otherwise, it's not going to be, it's just going to be a religion. It's just going to be going through the motions. It's going to be putting on a mask on Sunday and trying to pretend. But when the Bible is in our hearts and our minds, that's a whole different thing. And that's what James is talking about here. Uh, to receive with meekness the engrafted word. Now, that's the word that gets in. It means the implanted word. It's alive like a seed. And receiving that living word, it, James says, it's able to save your souls. Now, I, I remember talking about this maybe in a few months ago, but uh, because that seems to be confusing when we read that. Uh, you know, save our souls. Well, we're already saved. James, you're, you're writing to saved people here. He's writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad and who are already saved. Why do they need to be saved if they are already saved? Well, let me explain again, because this is another important truth as we look at this scripture. Uh, saved is in three tenses. What, you know, we have been saved. We are being saved, and we shall be saved. Now, there's no contradiction there. Before you shut me off, I want you to listen to this. We're not, you're only saved once. So we're not talking about salvation from hell uh, in every one of these tenses here. Here, I'll explain. All three truths are there here in the Bible. I have been saved. That is, in the past, when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was saved, saved forever from the penalty of sin. And then I shall be saved, or in other words, what he's saying there is uh, one day I will, will go to heaven, uh, and I'll be saved from the possibility of sin. It won't even be a possibility of it when we're in heaven. And then I am being saved right now. I'm, what are we saved from? From the power of sin. And that's what uh, James here is talking about, that third one, saved from that power of sin. He's not talking about going to heaven. One day when we die, when he says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But he's saying, receive the word of God that is able to deliver your, in the Greek, really it means psyche. It, to deliver your, you know, that's what it means in the Greek, uh, your mind, your emotion, your will. He says that the word of God will sanctify you wonder why it is. So many Christians across this world, sometimes it's hard to even figure out, are they saved? Are they a Christian? Because of the way they live, the way they talk. Again, I was asking the young people down in class, do your friends that are around you, whether you're an adult or a young person, do they know that you're a Christian? Can they tell? Is there enough evidence that you would be found guilty of being a believer based upon your testimony. And so, and not just words, because words are cheap, aren't they? But by our, by our, what we, how we use our words, how we live our life, and what we do. So he's, uh, he's saying the word of God is able to sanctify you. He, he's not 
talking here primarily about uh, your sins forgiven in the past or about going to heaven in the future. He's talking about the Word of God right here, right now, and what it has the power to do in our uh, right now. And so that's what we're saved from the power of sin. You cannot be victorious over sin without this book. You cannot live the way God wants you to live and be obedient to Him unless you follow this book. Oh, how important the Scriptures are. And so the same thing is taught. It, keep your finger there in James. Go with me back to Psalms chapter 19. Psalms 19. And the same thing is taught here in the Old Testament. Psalms 19, we'll start reading there at verse 7. And once again, you get the idea of the delivering, the saving power of the Word of God. Psalm 19, not 119, but 19. I hope I didn't say 119, but Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is, what's the next word? Perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Again, it's talking about the psyche there, the will, the mind. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Folks, if we would only understand the power that we have within our hands here in the Word of God, this old book here, it has the power to deliver our soul. Uh, and I, when I'm, I'm going along with this, the, the de definition there of our psyche, our mind, our will, power over sin. And that's what keeps, you know, that's the thing that keeps the Christian going. It's what keeps me going. I'll tell you, in the ministry, um, there's always things that will break your heart, aren't there? Anybody that's did any, has done any teaching of the Word of God has tried to maybe disciple uh, individuals, tried to lead souls to Christ. There are those that turn away. There are those that reject. Maybe for a while they walk in the ways of God and there's great promise and hope. But then they turn away. That's, that is discouraging. It's heartbreaking. But it's only the Word of God that has the power to help them have power over sin. It's not, and that's why it's important that we teach and we disciple because we're attempting to get the Word of God into their life. But that's what keeps me going. It's not my emotions. I'm not particularly an emotional person. Uh, even after those hormone shots, I wasn't found crying in the corner. But I, I'm just not. I'm just not a, a particularly emotional person. I have a kind of a more stable system in me. I've had people get mad at me, scream and holler. I, I, I know I can, uh, I just don't react to that. And uh, now there are times where I've lost it, I'll be honest. But most of the time, I have not, uh, I'm pretty steady. And, uh, you know, I don't get too high or, or really too low. And, and that's nothing to do with me. That's just the way the Lord made me. 
I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm just saying that's the way it is with me. Um, but there are some people, and bless their heart, I, I love people that get excited. Amen. And they shout and they holler. I remember when I was in Bible college, there are some guys that literally stand on the pews just shouting their heads off. But, and, you know, how happy and hallelujah, amen. But then those same individuals would be so down, so discouraged, that they could sit on a curb and dangle their feet. I mean, they were just so down. And they were up and down like a roller coaster. And uh, so I, I, don't, uh, I don't do that. I just stay in the middle. But um, that's just the temperament, I guess you could say, that God has given me. I, I just kind of stay in the narrow band. That's the way I am. And again, but my point here, I, I don't necessarily get my ch uh, charge or my... my uh, uh, go and keep me going from my emotions. That's what I'm trying to say. In fact, it's a dangerous thing when we do allow our emotions to guide us. When we need some emotion to move us. Uh, we all can be moved by emotion. But emotion is not going to keep us on the firing line for God. Uh, emotion is not going to keep you there uh, it, it, when things happen in life that are discouraging, that are heartbreaking. And again, it's the truth that keeps me going. Not my, how I feel, it's what I know. And that's the, what's the wonderful thing, no matter what our temperament is. If we put our faith in the Word of God, it's not how I feel, it's what I know. There will be some days, Christians, I think all of us would agree, that we feel like, boy, I... I, I can't be saved after what, how I reacted to that or what I said or what I did. Uh, can I really be saved? I, I don't feel saved, but I know I'm saved. It's not how I feel. It's what I know, and that's so important that we know the Word of God. There's in the Word of God. If we want to be a successful, vibrant Christian, a Christian that's on fire for God, victorious in our Christian life, then we must, and I underline that, underscore it, we must stay in the Word of God. Capitalize it, shout it. I mean, it's so important. You and I will never succeed in our Christian life without this book right here. That's how important it is. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the souls, the psalmist says. And then in our passage here in James, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. It's able to deliver your psyche, your mind, your emotions, your will. We don't have to be a people that are governed or controlled by emotions. I'm sure all of us know individuals that uh, either they easily fly off the handle, anger just controls them, and they explode. Uh, it's like walking around on eggshells or a time bomb or something, you know, anything said or any look could set it off. Um, or some people just cry. You know, they're so emotional. And, and that, nothing wrong with being an emotional person. But we can't allow our emotions to control us. We need to know something that we can hang on to that in spite of how we feel, we know that doesn't change. We know that that is the truth always, and it's the Word of God. It's perfect. It's able to deliver us, give us a power over sin. It's able to keep you going. There is no way you're going to be victorious in your Christian life without receiving the 
without allowing this book to dwell in you richly. And we'll talk about that here. Um, we'll get part of the way through this anyway, I think. But the reason that so many people are so anemic in their Christian life, they've never learned to receive the engrafted word. And that engrafted word, which is able to del deliver your psyche, your emotion, which is able to save their souls. Now, look at that word there, that word receive, receive. There's two Greek words that are translated uh, into the word receive, the English word. One of them is lambano, and I may be mispronouncing the Greek, but most of you don't know that anyway. Uh, that's fine. But this is the Greek word, L-A-M-B-A-N-O, which means this, to simply take out and grasp. You just reach in there and you take it and uh, to re receive it to yourself. Now, that's not the word that is used here. Uh, that, that means a person that is, it's uh, by self-prompting, they, they can just reach in and receive something. They can go into a library, they can open a chemistry book. Why in the world they'd want to do that, I don't know. But they can do that, and they can pull out, they can grab those truths, those facts, and they can get it in their mind, and they can know that. How? By studying, by the self-effort of working to know that truth. Now, that's not the word that is used here. Um, it, it, again, it, it requires studying. But the Bible uses a different word for the word receive here, the Greek word. It's uh, dekomai, which means to welcome. So not to reach in and take. It's not something I can do to, to uh, study and, and learn it. Uh, it, it's, but to open and receive the word of God, to welcome the word of God. As if you would welcome a friend into your home. You open the door. You invite them in. And, and you, uh, uh, you, you uh, are a great host to that individual. Well, the word of God is not going to come into our life until we invite it in. We receive that truth. And, and that's where we start applying that truth. It's no longer a, an ancient book that has no rele relevance to me. But it's a book that means everything to me. Every aspect of my life can be guided and directed by the truths of God's word. Dekomai, to welcome. And that's why he says, receive with meekness. He's not saying just reach in there and take the word, because you'll never get it that way. As I said, you can know all the facts. You can have a lot of Bible knowledge. But that's not going to make any difference until you receive that into your personal life. You're, you're going to have, have to open your heart. You're going to have to welcome the Word of God into your life. You're going to have to receive it. Again, just as you would a friend. James says there are three ways that we get the Word of God into our lives. I want to tell you one this morning. Number one, by repentance. You know, one of the reasons Christians struggle their whole life with being doing right and being what God wants them to be and it's because they have stopped repenting. Repentance that's, was required for your salvation. I understand that. But you, if you're truly a born-again Christian walking with God, you know you've repented a whole lot more uh, since you've been saved than when you, before you got saved. If a guest is coming to your house, what's one of the first things that uh, you do? Especially uh, the kids can answer this. What does mom or dad say to do? Clean up. 
But mom, I haven't seen my floor in, ten, in five years. I don't even know my closet, has, how big it is. I haven't seen the, the walls of that closet. Clean up. They want you to clean the house up. And that's what you do. You, it, it's true. We, we want to, uh, to clean up the house when a guest comes. At least put everything in the closet. Hide it. And, uh, but certainly, it's true if we want the Word of God to dwell in us. We need to do some cleanup work, spiritually speaking. Uh, and, and, you know, if we want to uh, let the Word of God dwell in us richly and we want to abound into all fruitfulness and being what God wants us to be, welcome the Word of God by repentance. Look at verse 21 again. Lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Now that word filthiness, it's a, a Greek word that li literally means it's a medical term. I, I remember we talked about this before. And it refers to wax in the ear. That sounds very nice, doesn't it, before we eat lunch? But uh, that wax in the ear, what happens? It keeps you from hearing, uh, physically speaking. And so you see, sometimes there are certain things that are in our spiritual ears that keep us from hearing, uh, and it needs to be removed before we can really hear what God wants us to hear. Somebody came up to a man and says, he said, sir, say, you've got a carrot in your ear. He says, huh? He said, you've got a carrot in your ear. Huh? He said, you've got a carrot in your ear. And he pulls out the carrot and said, huh, I can't hear you. I've got a carrot in my ear. Well, it seems that God is trying to tell us something. God is not quiet. He has given us his written word. He wants to speak to us. He's trying to tell us there's something wrong in our lives. Oftentimes, he'll point it out to us. But we can't hear him because it's the very thing that's wrong with us that's keeping us from hearing him. We're not willing to repent. Not willing to, to lay aside those things, those sins. And so what, what, what really is wrong with this? And we're not going to be able to receive the word of God until we uh, do some cleanup work and until uh, we uh, get, take care of what's wrong with this. Now, that's the word filthiness. Now, the reason some of us don't hear the word of God um, is there's some filthiness in our spiritual ears that clog up our hearing. We can't hear God because of the sin that's there. And then look at that phrase there in verse 21, that uh, really unusual phrase, superfluity of naughtiness. Now, that word superfluity is very akin to our word superfluous. Superfluous, I can't even hardly say that word. But it literally means that which remains. That which remains. That which is left over. So I guess the best description we could give this word would be a hangover sin. Um, uh, that which is left. You know, a person gets saved, they're born again, they've trusted Christ as their Savior, but there's still some of that sin from their past that's hanging on. It's a hangover sin, and that comes over uh, from that old life they lived before. The Bible calls that superfluous or superfluity of naughtiness. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of this. Do you remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? And Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus there in John chapter 11. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. But how did he come forth? 
He came out of that tomb looking like a mummy. He was wrapped with all those cloth and wrapped up in the grave clothes. And he had life in him, but he didn't have liberty. He was still bound by those grave clothes. And Jesus said in John eleven forty four, 44, loose him and let him go. And, of course, they did that, and that is take off the superfluity of naughtiness. He has life, but there, there are certain grave clothes that are still clinging to him. Get rid of those. Uh, and then think of the uh, prodigal son. The prodigal son is he's out in the world uh, doing his own thing, spending his inheritance, and the Bible says he comes to himself and he says, I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be, be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And the Bible says he had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet in Luke chapter 15. That is the prodigal son here. He came with the old filthy stinking clothes that he had in the pig pen and in the old life. And he had to lay those aside. He had a, the hangover sins as he came back to his father. He came to the father, but he still had those hangover sins, as it were. Now, I wonder, is this maybe some of you here this morning? You're saved, you know you're saved, but you're still wearing those old filthy rags from before you were saved. You're wearing the, the smock, the, the, the shirt, the, the, the coat that you had on in the hog pen in the world. You're, you're, still, you're still you. There, there are certain things in your life. There are certain spiritual wax, if you would, in your ears and certain unclean garments. You're not ready to receive the word. That's the point. Listen, friend, do you want the Bible to speak to you? Do you want the Bible to be alive? Uh, it, it is alive, but I mean to you, to be alive? Would you really like to welcome the Word, receive the Word? You want to get something out of your Bible study? That you can do that without, first of all, repenting. Repent of that filth, filthiness, that superfluity of naughtiness. Listen to what James says here in Verse 21, wherefore lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Well, you say, well, it's not all that bad. It's just a, a little sin. Do you realize there's no such thing as a little sin? A little sin will open the door for many, many other sins. A, a little sin can allow the devil to get his a foothold, in, his foot in the door. Remember how some of those high sales uh, salesmen, they, they, uh, they'd come and they'd always put their foot right in the door so you couldn't shut the door. And they got their, you don't want them to get a, a foothold in the doorway. Well, the devil's like that. Just a little sin. It's not a big deal, we would say. Oh, but it is. There's no such thing as a little sin. That little sin can allow the devil to get his foot, a, a toe in and hold the door open. And it'll open it up to many, many more sins. And... So, the, uh, again, 
no way that we can just uh, uh, say it's not going to have any effect on me. It opens the door to the other problems. Do you want God to come alive, to burst a flame in your heart? You know, um, the gospel, it's like dynamite. It does. It, dynamite changes everything. When a, you throw a stick of dynamite out, it, it will change everything around it. Well, so does the gospel. The gospel changes everything in a person's life. When the word of God, when we have received it, when we have repented of our sin, and we're able to receive that, uh, uh, the word, and we're not holding on to those things of the world, and then we'll, we'll see uh, uh, how it changes our lives as dynamite changes the, uh, the world around it. But open your heart. As you open your heart and you receive a friend, receive the word of God today. Um, I, I think as a Christian, we all want the word of God to come alive. We, we all want it to, to uh, come into us, just, but it's not going to happen until we are, want it to happen. And then listen, James says, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness and receive with meekness. You know, you've heard people sing that little song, fill my cup, Lord. Uh, I lift it up, Lord. And uh, they, they, uh, they, in the words, it sounds like they want God to fill, fill their life up, to, to give them what they need. And they keep singing it, but their cup never gets filled. And you know Why? Uh, they're singing the wrong song. Here's the song they ought to sing. Cleanse my cup, Lord. I messed it up, Lord. And when that cup gets clean, then God is able to fill it. Then they are ready to receive the word. Now, I, I want to stop right there with that truth. Today, I'm, I'm not talking to primarily to the un, unsaved, the lost individual. You know the Lord is your Savior. You've been born again. But let me ask you this question, that what James is dealing with here, have you received the word of God? Could you honestly say that it dwells within me richly? That I cannot help now but seeing changes in my life because the word of God is dwelling. We know the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us upon salvation. But we need to allow God's word to get into us. Then we're not going to have to be prodded to come to Sunday school or church. We're not going to have to be prodded or to do the right thing, to tell others about Jesus, to tithe, to, to just do God's will because the Word of God is dwelling in us richly. Is it? That's the question. Have you repented? That's the only way it's going to, the first step to seeing it filled or, or to see the Word of God dwell in us is by repenting. Let's bow our heads together.